Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson. And it's matchup preview time. Uh, while we roll the intro, hit the subscribe button. Drop a like. It won't kill you. Let's go. So we are on to week five. Carson, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. And uh, yeah, week five, I feel like I'm happy to see that we've gotten some viewership traction in the past two uh, episodes or so. And uh, so we'll do our quick recap of our current game prediction records. Uh, my lead is extending, or at least staying the same. I don't even remember what my lead was last week, but uh, yeah, 34 and 30 for Blake and 39 for 20, or 39 and 25 for me. So uh, still a lot of the season left to go, but I do have a lead. Currently. Yeah, we... Last week was one of our best weeks in terms of just getting it, getting the right calls out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I went ten and six for the week. You went eleven and five. Yeah. So that's where you the gained. Only differed on one. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and of course, that that uh, that was not expected. Yeah, it was but, Browns Falcons, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty sure that was the game. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So uh, I guess we can get right into it with Thursday night football, which uh, I'll talk about Colts at. Broncos. Um, Broncos are the favorite, though, but that's mainly because Jonathan Taylor's ankle injury has ruled him out for Week 5. Probably the first game he's missed in his NFL career. I know last week he had a... Not... Is that not true? Well, it's not only his NFL yes. career. It's all the way through wow. high school. Wow. So hopefully, you know, Taylor doesn't start getting more injuries. That would be a shame. But uh, the reason you drafted him... And I guess I'll talk to him a little bit, although he doesn't really matter for this game. You know, you drafted him because he was a safer option. You thought he'd be a really safe elite running back, and he hasn't really panned out. He's been kind of a, uh, an, a 101 on draft boards dud, but in the past two seasons, he's had slow starts and ended very highly. Like, I'm pretty sure he's at the same exact spot he was this far in the season as he was last season, and he ended last season as the RB1. And his rookie season, he started off slow and ended as the RB6, so... I don't know why that happens for him, but you know, if yeah. history is anything to prove, he could still uh, do pretty well. But in this game, he's going to be out, and Naeem Hines would be the clear fantasy beneficiary in Taylor's potential absence. Um, he's always kind of been the, the pass-catching receiving back, um, so that's great for PPR mm-hmm. and whenever he gets this volume. Obviously, he flourishes because Blake found this stat. Um, in games where Hines has played 50% or more of snaps, he's averaged 15.8 fantasy points per game, so... Do you agree that you're, you're plugging them in if you have them? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can expect that average because, you know, it was a 12-game sample size throughout his entire career. And it's there were a few low ones out there. There were a few single-digit ones, and there were some high 20 yeah. ones. So uh, what to expect against the Broncos, who have shown themselves, you know, probably uh, outside of last week where they got ran all over – but uh, so far on the season, they've been pretty competent at defending the run, um, a pretty good defense overall. So yeah. I would probably lower expectations on that, you know, 16 number for Naheem Hines. But yeah, if you have him, I think there's a reason that you you have him on your roster. It was an insurance policy, um, and we don't really know what to expect here. I mean, there could be an opportunity for Philip Lindsay to get a revenge <laughs> game here against the Broncos. Wow, yeah. So... I mean, that's an option. We don't really know because Jonathan Taylor hasn't missed an NFL game yet. So, uh, but I think if you roster a Naheem Hines, this is your best opportunity to start him and feel confident 
Um, because on any given week, if you started Naheem Hines, you wouldn't know what to get. At least with this, you're not uh, competing with touches for John, or from Jonathan yeah, Taylor. for sure. So the only other Colts player I'll talk about directly is Mo Cox, the tight end, who had 26.5 fantasy points last week, uh, six receptions on six targets for two receiving touchdowns and 85 yards. Basically, I'm going to say uh, hold your horses if you're running to go get Mo Cox because in week three, tight end yeah. Jelani Woods caught two touchdowns. So it was a different tight end on the Colts last week that did that, or the week prior. And tight end Kylan Granson, who had four receptions in week four. So they're using these three tight ends. So, you know, if you want to put all your eggs in one basket and hope that you get the one that gets the touchdowns, which is not a good strategy, then no. Mo Cox is your guy. But that just means he's not. So... Yeah, you got anything to no, add? No, yeah, there's... Well, yeah, I would just say, so for, especially for Jelani Woods uh, in week three, that was two touchdowns on two targets. Like, yeah. that was like a that was like an O.J. Howard type of stat <laughs> yeah. line from earlier this year. So I would say don't chase uh, touchdowns from tight ends, especially when they seem to be using a committee yeah. at that position. So, yeah, for me, that's not uh, of any interest. Uh, if you need a tight end, there are safer options on your waivers for sure, i'm sure for sure all right we'll move on to the broncos who also well suffered a bigger injury for their starting running back but he will also be out javante williams suffered a season ending acl and lcl tear um that's really horrible for the team um very disappointing i think randy gregory the linebacker on their defense yeah. also had a pretty major injury not season ending i don't believe but that's also hurts them a lot no. Um, but the Broncos yeah. signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad to join Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone in this backfield. The whole narrative that Mike Boone is going to have a lot of value is really weird. Blake and I were just talking about it before we started recording. I think Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. clearly is the guy to have in this backfield. Yeah, maybe Mike Boone is like a special teams guy. Yeah, he's not. If you want, and every time, sorry, I don't no, mean to keep fine. stepping over you, but like every time Russell Wilson threw the ball to him, he hit him right in the hands and he dropped yeah. it. Like it, it's just not, it, he's not the guy. I don't know I mean, why people are advocating for such a big, like if you have a fab budget, like spend, uh, spend 30%, spend 50% of your fab budget on this guy. No chance. Yeah. Like you're, you're picking no up the handcuff way. to the prior handcuff, which right. That's <laughs> yeah. Not good. It's, it's a bad situation. I don't know why people are advocating yeah. sort of just pounding the table for my, I Boone. get that the handcuff being Melvin Gordon now is the clear running back that should take a lot of the workload so maybe his handcuff will have value but you're just reaching too far at that point i feel so yeah, yeah yeah unless you know we'll see what happens in this game if it's really surprising the usage but i would be very surprised if it's just not the melvin gordon show and then you know a little bit of latavius murray a little bit of mike boone just to support him but not through their own value um but yeah we'll move on to the more of the pass catchers and the passing game Russell Wilson had his best fantasy game of the season, and the Broncos lost to the Raiders. Um, he had two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, which helped give him a lot of points, as I've said. And uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy each caught one of Wilson's passing touchdowns, so that's good to see if you uh, roster either of those wide receivers, because those are the clear pass catchers in this offense. And to me, this is kind of surprising, but Cortland Sutton is pretty quietly the wide receiver 11 on the season, so borderline tight end, or sorry, borderline wide receiver one. Um, that was kind of surprising to me, but obviously he seems to be the safest target for Wilson and, uh, yeah, is doing well in that spot. Yeah. And I'll say this, I mean, this has been a season of kind of like unpredictability, um, in a lot of ways, you know, we, we kind of projected who would be, who would finish where, um, obviously in our season ranking videos, 
uh, specifically with wide receivers. I did have Cortland Sutton ranked ahead of Jerry Judy by a few spots. Um, obviously not as high as wide receiver 11, yeah. but inside the top 20. And, uh, you know, obviously it's still early in the season. Everything could ha- everything could change. Just ask Javante Williams. But, um, yeah, it, it's 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 good to see that Sutton, you know, reports out of preseason were saying that Russell Wilson and Sutton had a good chemistry, and it seems to be showing on the yeah. field. Um, I, I think so he said double-digit like scores of it. every week, or at least close to it. Like, he's been fairly consistent. It hasn't just been, like, one big game overshadowing everything well else. i wouldn't doubt it in order to be wide receiver 11 so far yeah. so um yeah sutton's good and judy if he can stay healthy seems to be uh performing pretty well in this offense as well so uh you want to go ahead and pick this game i think we're both yeah we're both picking the broncos i think that the loss of jonathan taylor for this particular game is worse than what the broncos are probably having to deal with offensively at least i think that melvin gordon melvin gordon will kind of fill in and that you know maybe russ and the gang can ride in denver so yeah i think i think a combination of being at home and uh and all the things that you mentioned there it's it's kind of all favoring broncos for this one um so we're gonna go denver for this one yeah so we will move on to the sunday morning london game set your lineups don't forget everyone got screwed over by alvin kamara last week it feels i think i saw something that 83 percent of people uh, were starting him in cbs leagues or something like that so that's crazy yeah i don't know set an alarm or just it was weird because there wasn't much news going into the week and into sunday morning that he would be inactive so you know maybe just wake up early because it's 8 yeah that's i mean when i yeah when i lived in when i lived in california i would set my alarm for six o'clock at the latest on a london on a london game because it's 6 30 kickoff time on the west coast and like you got to be on top of it if you yeah. want to if you want to put your best lineup out there that's just part of being competitive yep. so to me 83 percent that's that's casual yeah it, it, it was surprising to me but the game is giants packers I haven't even said that yet but uh, as you'll see on the screen <laughs> yeah um but for the giants uh not a whole lot to pull from because the giants did their best impression of the bears in their win against the bears in week four um a lot of that was due to injuries for daniel jones and tyrod taylor tyrod taylor came in um and then was evaluated for a concussion and i think daniel jones was forced to come back in um but only nine pass completions between the two of them so you know the depleted wide receiver room didn't even get any volume so there wasn't a whole lot to pull from this game but saquon got the volume of course because they still had an offense and he had 31 carries for 146 yards um i guess i'll just add this do you think do you think he could be the rb1 by the end of the season if he stays healthy well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he's getting the workload, like you mentioned. He's involved in the passing game. I mean, th- there's a very good reason that I tried to, you know, work a trade mm-hmm. with you uh, involving Nick Chubb and A.J. Dillon for Saquon. And every reason that you gave back to me of why you didn't want to do that made sense. Yeah. I mean, we, we think alike in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so this, this, uh, that's what makes it really the show tough. show helps with that, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it makes it tough to trade with you because – like everything you're saying is like well yeah he's not wrong i mean yeah. that, that's exactly on part like we'll talk about nick chubb uh, more later when we get to the browns but there are reasons yeah because course, he's currently no, the rb1 so that's probably a sell high candidate potentially but we'll talk about that more later yeah so no but just to go back on saquon quickly um he he doesn't have anyone to compete with for the touches at running back and that's just such a major thing like i think 
Uh, Matt Breida's had like five carries on the season, maybe. Jeez. So it's all Saquon. Yeah. And so if he stays healthy, I think he has a really, really good shot of finishing at RB1, especially with the head start that he has on the rest of the field. All right. Yeah, so we'll move on to talking about the Packers. Um, so I'll talk about two pass catchers and the two running backs. And so Alan Lazard had 17.6 fantasy points, six receptions on eight targets for 116 yards. He played 96% of snaps. And Romeo Dobbs had 13.7 fantasy points, five receptions on eight targets, and a receiving touchdown, 47 yards, and a fumble. Also 96% of snaps. Um, 36 routes run for Lazard, 35 routes run for Dobbs. The reason I'm bringing that up is because the third highest routes run by a pass catcher was Robert Tunyon at 21. So it's just clear that these are the two guys that you want um, out of pass catchers for the Packers. Um, I think that... I know that Sammy Watkins was injured because he got placed in IR last week. I think Randall Cobb's, like, mm-hmm. non-existent. I think Christian Watson, the rookie, might have been injured, too, but it seems like he's not getting anywhere near the volume that Dobbs no, has got played. in the past two weeks. Okay, so he's just not doing much, so he didn't yeah. play. But yeah. you want Lazard yeah. and Dobbs. Those are the two that you want. But I'll ask you, which Packers wide receiver do you prefer having season long between Lazard and Dobbs? So would you call it a cop-out for me to say neither? Because my here's my reasoning. I don't want to have to guess when one or the other is going to be the right play. Yeah. I would much prefer, and this is coming from someone who rosters Alan Lazard in our yeah. league, um, I placed him on the trade block, and I'm hoping that someone takes interest in him, sees the numbers he's putting up, and is like, hey, uh, I'll take a shot at this guy. Because to me... I'm not really interested in guessing when I should be playing these pass catchers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just kind of looks lackadaisical out there, to be honest. <laughs> like um, a lot of like a lot of missed throws that he should be making. I feel like you know it's not going to be a big surprise to me if he retires at the end of the season. <laughs> um, well, I don't expect I don't expect Green Bay to make a deep run in the playoffs. I I wouldn't even be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. Well. So. Uh, to, to me, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid or sell high on these guys if I can and, and give some give another manager in my league the headache of rostering these players. Yeah, I mean, I roster Dobbs, and I am ex- I think I'm more excited than probably you are just because of the fact that he's the rookie um, in this scenario. So it's like, where is his ceiling? How high could it potentially be? But I definitely know what you're saying. Like, this is like, you're not super excited about the Packers in general. Um, I know they beat the Buccaneers in week three or was that four mm-hmm. week three. three um which you know people might be like that's a big win but they the buccaneers without a lot of their offensive players so yeah no godwin no evans like it was nobody yeah. so hold your horses i'll talk about the backfield uh aaron jones and aj <laughs> Dillon. aaron jones had 14.5 fantasy points 16 carries for 110 yards three receptions on four targets for five yards he played 62 percent of snaps aj Dillon. Played 58% of snaps and got 9.4 fantasy points, 17 carries for 73 yards, one reception on two targets, 11 yards. So uh, 19 touches for Jones and 18 touches for Dylan. Um, but it seems like Aaron Jones is back to being the better Packers RB to have because he's getting more of the targets. And that wasn't even the case. I think after week one, we thought AJ Dylan was looking better. Um, and this is kind of why I was wanting to avoid this backfield for similar reasons to how we're not liking this team but mm-hmm. are you back on board of thinking aaron jones is the better packers rb to have just for that pass catching upside honestly no i think that both guys probably at this stage and i, and I didn't do the notes for this section but 
Um, I think that they're probably actually very comparable in uh, targets on the season. Sure. Um, I would like to look that up. I, I know there were we instances could, but... where that was true for Dylan. I just I don't know season long if that's the case. Yeah, Going I'm into the season, it, right it was now, definitely so... expected to be Jones would be the pass catching one between the two. Jones, okay, so yeah. Aaron Jones on on the season has seventeen targets. AJ Dylan has fourteen targets. Yeah. So is there really that much of an edge? Not really. And they seem to be getting used. I mean, you can tell by their snap percentage. They're getting used at the same time more often. You know, their, their combined snap totals equal greater than 100%. So they're on the field at the same time. It's kind of like a flip of the coin of who gets the ball, yeah. who gets the red zone carries. So, no, to me, like, and again, I, I roster A.J. Dillon. I'm trying to move <laughs> off of him because of this very reason. There is a, it's a, there's a headache associated yeah. with determining if this is going to be the week for this guy. So for me personally, I'm looking to trade both of these players. Like I, I don't want any shares of the Packers. I don't want Aaron Rodgers on my team. I don't want any of the pass catchers. I don't want any of the running backs. I just want to, uh, I just, I just want to cash, yeah. me, cash in my chips and move that on. That being said, we both picked the Packers. Go Packers. We both picked the Packers <laughs> to win this game against the Giants yes. in London. Um, yeah, it's an eight-point favorite. Yeah. The Packers are um, obviously a road game for both teams, but I, do I really believe in the Giants with a banged-up quarterback and just Saquon Barkley to rely on? I mean, I still believe in the Packers' defense to an extent, um, and I think you know with the combination of all those elements, the Packers are just gonna—they're gonna take this one and, and bring the bring the Giants to three and two. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we can move on to the Sunday noon matchups with Steelers at Bills. This will be an interesting first game for Kenny Pickett. Um, they are the 14-point underdogs. Um, but he is now set to be the starter for presumably the rest of the season, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, the rookie is. He played 50% of snaps, and he had three interceptions, but two rushing touchdowns. And as Blake and I talked about earlier, those interceptions, you know, one was, or two of them were bobbled, you know, attempts at a catch by wide receivers, and one was like Hail Mary at last to Shefford at the end of the first half, as you were saying. So, uh, don't yeah. read into that maybe too much, but he's going against the Bills, so I certainly wouldn't play him this week, but he could be promising because we don't know where ceiling is again, another rookie, so who knows? Yeah, to me, I just want to jump in really quick and say, to me, if you only drafted one quarterback, um, as long as they don't have the same bye week as Kenny Pickett, I'm interested in picking up Kenny uh, prior to this week starting, and, and obviously not starting him, of course, but seeing what happens kind of you know as a as a uh, as a lottery ticket yeah. i'll say because with with this Steelers offense uh, the talent is definitely around For him sure. i mean george pickens is begin is growing as a rookie uh deontay johnson of course and Najee harris and even pat fryermuth like the, the pass catchers are all there it's just about the offensive scheme it's just about kenny pickett uh staying healthy and kind of getting integrated into this offense becoming familiar with those guys and so to me, he's like a lottery ticket, like a, you know, a late round flyer, but we're already in the season. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just, just advocating for that. Um, do not start him in this game. If he goes off, uh, you can blame me, but I really don't <laughs> no think chance. it's going to happen. No chance. I really don't think there is. We'll transition from Pickett to Pickens, as Blake already mentioned. Uh, George Pickens had 16.2 fantasy points, six receptions on eight targets, 102 yards. Um, I'm pulling this straight from PFF article but Pickens saw a target on 
0.3% of his routes in the second half, compared to 28.6% in the first half, and 12.9% over the first three weeks. Basically what that means is that Pickett may really like Pickens, which is um, enticing for people that have Pickens, the rookie who's, you know, had those insane highlight reel catches and uh, kind of some funny quotes about his ability um, and wanting to get used more. So if he gets this connection with a fellow rookie at quarterback, um, you could be looking at a steal that you got for Pickens in drafts. But I will say... At the same time, Deontay Johnson saw four targets in this game, which is kind of weird. I don't expect Very I don't weird. expect it to be the pick and show over Johnson. I'm just saying that you know he could get more reliable production. And then Pat Frymuth led pass catchers with nine targets, which you know again that could be the product of a quarterback that you know is making safer passes. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye on all those pass catchers. I don't. Clay's Claypool almost seems droppable. Uh, Oh my god, yeah, like all of his passes, yeah. you mean? That guy sucks. Yeah, so just realized that that's someone we didn't even mention, but that's another person that in the past has been talented. But, yeah. He's had flashes, but he is not a consistent fantasy no. player. Not someone I want on my roster. And at, on Sleeper, he's currently rostered in 65% of leagues, oh. which is not a high number, but it should probably be yeah. lower. All right, so move on to the Bills, um, who I'm sure we're both going to clearly pick to win this game. <laughs> nope, going different on in this Buffalo. one. In um, Buffalo. But I'll focus mainly on the backfield of Devin Singletary in particular because Josh Allen threw one touchdown pass, and it was to Isaiah McKenzie. We already kind of voiced how fluky we felt that was last week, so that meant like all the other pass catchers didn't have amazing games either because Josh Allen only threw one passing touchdown, which is strange for this offense. Um, but they still got the win against the Ravens, the comeback win. But Devin Singletary, 11.6 fantasy points. He had 11 carries, four receptions, a fumble, but played 88% of snaps. I mean, I feel like I've been reading Singletary snap count all year, but that's got to be, that's great, that's great volume. Um, Yeah, and we're moving away from Zach Moss uh, taking touches, which was really frustrating at the start of the season. Um, Singletary showing to have, taking on more more of the workload now albeit it's 11 carries yeah. which is not great volume but he's getting involved more in the passing game that's reassuring that's and being tied well and being tied to a high-powered yep. offense that does score a lot of touchdowns yep. is also very valuable yeah. agreed if but i think he, if he gets more involved in pass catching on a passing offense that we both agree you know could be the best offense in the league arguably um you know that gives him a pretty high floor it's just about that usage i mean remember how he finished last season so just getting back into that usage again um but yeah we're both picking the bills as we've already mentioned and i'll just you got anything else to say about this match i want to yeah i want to quickly say that isaiah mckenzie could be in the concussion protocol for this Mm. game and jameson crowder uh suffered a fractured ankle i want to say so his season's over and i'm just gonna put i'm gonna put out a flyer there for deep leagues like real deep leagues khalil shakir rookie slot wide receiver Take a flyer on him in your deepest of leagues that you're desperate in, and also might be a sneaky DFS play. So yeah, I'll just say and that. I've heard, I don't even know the player's first name, I've heard the receiver Kumaro has been involved, and I think Jake. he also got injured. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're really rostering, or more likely if you're really starting anyone besides Diggs and Davis as pass catchers, maybe Knox, but... He hasn't been doing amazing either. But yeah, I mean, keep an eye on those players for sure, especially in deep leagues. All right, we'll move on to Chargers at 
Browns. Um, for the Chargers, I'll start with Austin Eckler because he, after one big game, Eckler is the RB3 all of a sudden. He had 34.9 fantasy points um, on 19 touches and three touchdowns. Sell high? Question mark? I, I don't know how you can, to be honest. Um, you, well, with where, with where Eckler what went in drafts, yeah and also how the running back position has been so unpredictable this season. Uh, what you're more likely to do, I think, is hang on, hold on tight, and, and ride this pony as long as it can go. Because uh, to me, Austin Eckler was a player that I was kind of lower on season long uh, because of that touchdown regression from last season scoring 20. Um, he scores three this past week, and I think that that's obviously not going to be more to come. But um in terms of a three-touchdown, multi-touchdown game like that. But, no, I, I don't see how you sell high on Eckler because what are you going to yeah. get? Like, I mean, True. with how he has been inconsistent to start, he's been inefficient on the ground. Um, no, I think you have to kind of roll with him. I mean, you drafted him towards the middle of the first round. I think you have to kind of just stick with it. He could have been the third running back off the board. Like, there are leagues that he definitely could have drafted yeah. like that. So he's actually at his value currently. So... I see what you mean. There you go. Um, Keenan Allen is considered day-to-day with his hamstring injury, last I checked, which has kept him out since week one. Mm -hmm. So maybe return to normalcy once he comes back. But Gerald Everett seems to have stepped up a little bit. 17.1 fantasy points, five receptions on six targets, and a receiving touchdown, 61 yards. Obviously, the touchdown really helps his day. But, you know, he is getting involved. Um, But Mike Williams scored 19 fantasy points. He obviously is the surefire uh, pass catcher you want in this offense when Keenan Allen is out and should still be very valuable like he was drafted even when Keenan Allen is there although he is kind of a boomer bust player but you know we kind of expected someone like Josh Palmer wasn't it to step up but yeah. no one besides Everett nope. and Williams and Eckler did anything really yeah in this those game. are the three pass catchers yeah, exactly Eckler is the wide receiver too he's honestly ahead of Everett with how they use him in pass in the pass catching sense but yeah so when Keenan Allen comes back I would just expect a return to normalcy and that probably will hurt Gerald Everett unless he just keeps on getting touchdowns but we can move on to the Browns um another highly ranked running back Nick Chubb the RB1 but as we've already kind of alluded to the reason you know if you can sell high he's a little bit more realistic of a chance to sell high it's on all, him than yeah it's all it's all tied in on touchdowns. Yes. scored and... five rushing touchdowns in the past three weeks. Week one, he didn't do a whole lot because I think he rushed for about 100 yards and did nothing else, and that's not great um, when you don't get touchdowns. In PPR, yes. yeah. Um, but whenever he gets those touchdowns, which is not sustainable because he would... It's hard to predict. Yeah, it is. So I'm not saying Nick Chubb is trash, but he's in over his head right now is the RB1. He's a brilliant rusher, but for PPR fantasy, it's really hard to match him up against those other players that get those consistent receptions that he doesn't get. And he also has Kareem Hunt breathing down his neck that takes a lot of those re- receptions. So, I know. It makes you wonder what he could accomplish if he had, you know, 85-plus percent of the snaps. Yeah. Like, uh, like he'd be a Derrick Henry. You know, record-breaking. Yeah. Yeah. So... But that being said, um, if you can attempt to sell high on Nick Chubb, I think it's a good option. But I also think that, you know, with how running backs are looking so far this season, that 
uh, really good running backs are hard to come by. And sticking with the guys that are performing well uh, might might benefit you in the long True. run. Uh, let's talk about the pass catchers because this was a weird one. Just whenever we were parading Amari Cooper the past two weeks or so, he led the team in routes one r- routes run, but had 1.9 fantasy points, one catch for nine yards. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just when you thought you could trust. I it. think it's fluky, but still weird. Yeah. So I'll say this: I think that I think in terms of time of possession, the Falcons kind of dominated this game in Week mm-hmm. Four, and so that makes for the volume in this game to be a little bit lower than expected. Yeah. If I have Amari Cooper, you know, obviously I was not advocating for drafting him because of the situation that he found himself in this offseason. But if you have him, you likely should continue to start him. Yeah, at least um, the flex. Well, yeah, and I think this is going to be a better week for him. Uh, I'm sure the Browns will not be able to run all over the Chargers. I could be wrong, but I think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more than they did last week, and so I do expect Cooper because the reality is that there is no one on this offense other than Amari Cooper that's getting a lot of the targets and a lot of the touches uh, in the passing game, and so I'm I'm more than likely going to roll him out if I have him. More positive news for a pass catcher was that David Njoku – had 9.7 fantasy points, which is decent. Uh, five catches on seven targets for 73 yards. Uh, and a rush for negative six yards and a fumble. So those were probably two bad plays <laughs> for him. But, you know, a other than that fumble and that negative yardage rush, it would have been a tight end that gets double digits without a touchdown. That's so hard to come by. Glad the pass catchers and snaps. Yeah. I mean, I think he's worth picking up off the waivers um, at the very least. Like we talked about last week, because he's getting the volume. But we'll continue to see if he can stay cons- somewhat consistent. I can't believe we're talking about a player that got 9.7 fantasy points being excited, but that's just the art of tight ends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's go ahead and pick this game. Yeah. We are both taking the LA Chargers yep. on the road as the two and a half point favorites. Yep. And I, yeah, I feel like, especially if Keenan Allen is back, but, you know, this offense is very, very, very good. And uh, I expect them to be able to do better than some of their performances in the past few weeks, especially if Keenan Allen returning. Um, yeah, and I think it's also important to note that Miles Garrett probably won't play in this one that either. Is, that um, is important. We didn't really mention it because it's a defensive player, yeah. but uh, involved in that that car accident oh, recently, yes. and uh, hoping for his uh, quick recovery because yeah. he is one of the best pass rushers in the for league sure. by far. All right, we'll move on to the next game, which is Texans at Jaguars divisional matchup. Uh, used to think that this could be like a trash shoot of a game but jaguars are playing great and the texans are you know having some decent performances too but yeah i'll just say it right now overview i think the jaguars are going to win this and we both say that but we'll talk about that more at the end but damian pierce um at 25 way to spoil it oh how about you take over you did these notes Oh, okay. So uh, let's talk about Damian Pierce. I, I was just thinking you would take him over, but that's no, okay. go for it. Um, Damian Pierce, twenty-five point nine fantasy points, very efficient on the ground. Fourteen carries, one hundred and thirty-one yards, and a touchdown. And how about this for a PPR stat? Six catches on six targets for eight wow. yards. All right, that is a PPR six point eight points. We'll take that all day. <laughs> we'll take that six point eight fantasy points all day. Eight yards. Who gives a rip? Yeah. So here's the thing. A season-high 68% of the snaps for Pierce in this game. 
had nine plus yards per carry with the aid of a 75 yard touchdown run. You always love to see that. Um, and back to back weeks with a rushing touchdown. I think that this guy, if you drafted him at this point, he's probably locked into your lineup, yeah. especially at, you know, we keep talking about it, but the state of running back. Uh, this season so far it's hard to come by a consistent guy Damian Pierce is getting all the running back touches on this team and the Jaguars uh, albeit is a difficult defense a difficult matchup Um, but this offense kind of seems to run through Pierce at this moment and so I'm advocating for him as a starter yeah I think we were skeptical of him because of lack of touches in college and what Burkhead potentially Mm -hmm. was taking from him but 20 touches well yeah look at week one Yeah. yeah exactly that's what's making him seem legit yeah, and then a guy that I would uh, advocate for keeping an eye on or, you know, kind of a speculative ad, a grab and stash, we'll say, mm-hmm. is Nico Collins. 11.2 fantasy points. He'd got five targets, caught three of them for 82 yards. Uh, played a season high, 79% of the snaps, mm-hmm. which you like to see. Seems to be kind of emerging as the number two in this offense and actually led the team in receiving yards in week four. Yeah. So he's only rostered, as of writing the notes, he was rostered in 21% of leagues on Sleeper. I'm going to give you a live update of that right now. And anything else you'd like to add to this, Carson? No, not really. I mean, I'm sure that Brandon Cooks is just quietly putting up double digits as far as I know. But, you know, he... (laughs) Okay, yeah. Let's let's do a where are they now Um, since you mentioned it. Brandon Cooks has gotten two games above 15 fantasy points, two games below 10. So not great there. Nico Collins, on the other hand, only rostered in 23% of leagues. So a 2% bump uh, over wow. the waiver period. Go go pick him up. I'm serious. This guy is growing in this offense, and that's something that uh, in a team that doesn't really have a lot of pass catchers, yeah, that's valuable. Sure. So um, let's go ahead and move on to the Jaguars here. I, I'm not going to take too much away from this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the only remaining team that's undefeated. Uh Philly looks like one of the favorites to make a deep run in the playoffs in the NFC. And Trevor Lawrence, man, (laughs) it it was a wet one out there, and it really showed in his ball control because he turned the ball over five times, including, get this, four fumbles. So that is not favorable. Um, Only had 11 completions on the day, so very low volume for all of the uh, pass catchers in that team. And then Zay Jones uh, missed that game with an ankle injury. Monitor his status. He showed some promise uh, back in week three, made him a hot waiver wire pickup. Um, And I think he's a flex consideration if healthy, especially given the matchup. Yeah, all those people that watched that episode last week, he did get up coolly, remember? I I hope you all appreciated that clip. (laughs) But uh, I'm excited to see what Zay Jones can continue to do because we talked about him and then he didn't play. So interested to see what he can continue on going forward but yeah as already mentioned we're both picking the jaguars yep go jags i'll let you talk about bears and vikings too another divisional matchup all right so uh looks like justin Fields saw what trevor lawrence did and said hey i can do that too only had 11 completions in that game uh and here's here's what we'll say um all of his best games last season as a rookie uh came when he had 27 or more pass attempts Thus far, he has averaged less than 17 pass attempts per game. So there is still a long ways to go before uh, Justin Fields is usable in fantasy and his pass catchers are usable in fantasy. You can't trust any of them right now. That being said, Darnell Mooney did have a good day. Finally. 
13.4 fantasy points. I know we're celebrating over a low teens scoring <laughs> game, but this guy was horrible, un- completely unusable prior to this game. And if you were you if you if you started him last week, I think you've been living under a rock yeah. because you should have had him on your bench. Probably drafted your team um, and then never caught, said it. <laughs> right, caught four balls. And if you and if you're one of those people, you're not even listening to this. So I don't know what I'm saying. True, but. Uh, Darnell Mooney caught four balls on five targets for 94 yards. Obviously, a 56-yard catch helps inflate that total, but he is worth stashing if you can afford to keep him on your roster. Um, But the value is directly tied to Justin Fields getting more pass attempts out there. So that's something to monitor. Um, Moving on to the running backs, David Montgomery with an ankle and a knee injury. We're going to continue to monitor his status for this week. Minnesota ranks 23rd in rushing yards allowed per game, so not a scary matchup by any means. Um, And I think that would even be higher if uh, in last week's London game, Alvin Kamara had been healthy. So I think that's a bit of a kind of a sneaky stat. I think it's a little misleading. Um, I'm saying it's a good matchup for the Chicago backfield. And if Montgomery is inactive again, Khalil Herbert should be started. For sure. Clear handcuff that does very well in the absence of Montgomery yeah and then on to the Vikings Dalvin Cook 10.6 fantasy points across the pond in London 20 carries for 76 yards and two catches on two targets for 10 yards he had a goal line touchdown vultured by Justin Jefferson of all people (laughs) and getting running back one volume but underperforming generally I'm advocating for a for Dalvin Cook to be a buy low candidate because this is a guy that went towards the end of the first round, obviously is a top 10 back when he is healthy and producing. And thus far, considering he's getting the volume, I think it's more likely than not that he gets right uh, towards the, uh, the, ha- the, you know, the first half to the later half of the season. I'm advocating for buying. I hundred percent agree. I mean, he's been drafted as an elite RB one in previous drafts and previous seasons, and he's getting 22 touches. So Pounce on that, you know, 10.6 fantasy points. That manager probably isn't super excited about that for their potential RB1. I would pounce on that. I agree. By yep. well. Cool. So uh, we're both picking the Vikings in this one, keeping with the theme of picking together. Yep. <laughs> um, but it, it's really hard to pick the Bears on the yeah. road when they just don't throw the ball. And that's, that's how you win games in this league. Yeah. So... Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on, and I believe this is back to your this notes, is, so go ahead. Yeah, so Lions at Patriots. Um, kind of surprised that the Patriots are the favorite in this one, but they're home. And <laughs> yeah, baby. More at the end, but DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, and DJ Chark were all inactive in week four, so this was kind of a weird one for the team. Keep an eye on all those players. I don't think they've officially been uh, designated out or in yet, so just keep an eye on all of them. But... Jamal Williams had 23.9 fantasy points, 19 carries for 108 yards and two rushing touchdowns, and even even a catch for a yard. He's the RB6 with six rushing touchdowns on the season. So that probably shows how I feel about this next question, but Williams is too risky to play in games where Swift is active, correct? Yeah, and we've talked about this before. When DeAndre Swift was healthy and Jamal Williams was vulturing him at the goal line, um, it was really just more unfortunate than anything. It's not something that you can that you can look at and say, oh, okay, so Jamal Williams is the guy that's getting the touchdowns on the offense. I'm going to go ahead and play him. It's really not that simple. Uh, DeAndre Swift 
when he's healthy, kind of commands that backfield, yeah. and Jamal Williams just happens to find his way into the end zone. Um, it's more fluke than anything. And so, yeah, when we advocate for uh, Jamal Williams, it's only whenever DeAndre Swift is inactive. Yeah. And, and it looks like that's going to be the case. There's been, you know, like we talked about last week, there's been speculation that they're going to keep Swift through the bye week uh, inactive so that he can have a chance to recover um, and be healthy for the remainder of the season. But yeah, if Jamal Williams is healthy, obviously he's getting the volume, he's getting the workload, and that is what you look for from a fantasy running back. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, good good, uh, good question yeah. there. Um, you're starting with Swift is out, but again, as you, everything you've just said, he uh, doesn't have the floor to safely be played if Swift is there. But Jared Goff, oh my gosh, 33.22 fantasy points. Uh, he threw four passing touchdowns, for 378 yards, the QB5 and six-point passing TD league, so that may be a little bit different in your league, but still, nonetheless, very, very good, way higher than he's being drafted. 51% rostered in Sleeper. I mean, is he worth picking up? God, I would love to... <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't love to say yes. No, I I, <laughs> I don't I don't trust Gar- Jared Goff, yeah. and I'm, I'm trying to get his, uh, his ranking in my ESPN league, which uses four points. He's also, he's also position rank okay. five. So, um, no change there, but I don't know. Here's the thing. The Lions defense is so bad that they're averaging more points allowed than points for, and their points for like every game the Lions have played, they've scored over yeah, 30 points. I think points, they're leading the league in points for, and they are like one and three. And probably points against. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so they're a hot garbage defense. It reminds me of the Drew Brees days in in New Orleans where they had no defense and every game was a shootout. Mm. Um, I don't know if Jared Goff is half the player that (laughs) Drew Brees was, but here's the thing. I'm not comfortable starting Jared Goff. If you are, go for it. Um, But I would say that... Uh, this matchup is not the one to do it on personally sure i think that's fair um maybe worth an ad but you may be a little ambitious to go start him in your lineup unless something catastrophic has happened to your uh starting qb but tj hawkinson right he woke up in the absence of all those pass catchers 39.9 fantasy points eight receptions on 12 targets two receiving touchdowns 179 yards uh, I guess I'll also talk about Josh Reynolds just to show that you know the two active pass catchers just did amazing because of that Jared Goff staff line, stat line. Uh, Josh Reynolds, 21.1 fantasy points, seven receptions, eight targets, one receiving touchdown, 81 yards. So I'll say right now, I don't believe that Reynolds has games like this where St. Brown and Chart are healthy, but do you think that Hawkinson has proven himself that, hey, I need to command targets like I've kind of had in the past and that he's going to be more reliable going forward? So I really think it's more, and not that his targets were bad before this, um, seven, seven, and then four through the first three weeks. Um, but I think it's more symptomatic of the fact that St. Brown and Shark did miss this game. Yeah. Now, I would advocate, honestly, like considering how Hawkinson was performing through the first three weeks, maybe you picked up Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett or one of those guys, and you're interested in selling high on Hawkinson I would advocate for that because you're not going to get a better game from him than this and I think more often than not he's going to be the third option you know the fourth on some weeks I think 
I think, honestly, you should probably try to use this game to your advantage and pivot off of TJ Hawkinson um, because there have been some kind of sneaky tight end ads on the waivers that are performing, you know, well enough. Double-digit points without a touchdown, which is kind of what we look for from tight ends, as you mentioned before. Yeah. So that that's what I would do if I roster TJ Hawkinson. I'm not really convinced that, given the circumstances, that this is going to be more to come, uh, certainly not to this degree. I, I completely agree, because St. Brown has been amazing when he's played, and Swift takes a lot of those valuable short receptions that are so valuable for PPR that Hawkinson isn't getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll move on to the Patriots. Bailey Zapp, a rookie? Zappy. Is it Zappy? I thought I heard Zapp, and I said Zappy. I don't even remember. Bailey Zappy. It's Zappy. believe he's a rookie. Is that correct? Yes. Had 10 pass completions, so I'm really not going to talk about pass hey. catchers. And... It's a Mac Jones impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, and Jacoby Myers also wasn't <laughs> even there, so yeah. Let's just talk about the backfield, yeah. which we do every time. Damian Harris, 15.4 <laughs> fantasy points, 19 touches, and a touchdown. 45% of snaps. Yeah, buddy. Madre Stevenson, 55% of snaps. So it's just literally one or the other. 12.9 fantasy points. 18 touches, but four of those were receptions. It's back-to-back games with four receptions yeah. on five targets for Stevenson. Can you start both? That's my question. Against this opponent, yes. Okay. 100%. But um, season I'm, long, I'm definitely... because I think that's kind of more relevant, because I do agree against this defense for sure, but se- more season okay. long. so... Here's how I view it. Uh, Damian Harris has the better opportunity on any given game to score a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Ramondre Stevenson on any given game has more upside in the passing game. So the reality, and it's been this way for a long time, that New England running backs often uh, exist in a committee form. Yeah. So uh, It's Chubb and Hunt. I like both I'm of them. I'm looking at Chubb and Hunt right now. <laughs> Sort of. I mean, that's that's a bit generous for Damian yeah. Harris um, and Stevenson. Honestly, I think they're both <laughs> blushing at that comparison. But um, no, I, I, but I will say this opponent, uh, I'm licking my chops if I am these running backs. And I think they're both going to have a good game similar to how they did last week. I think I'm going to disagree with you on the game prediction. I think I'm taking the Lions in this one. Yeah, I am. I'm going I'm going with my Patriots on this one. I can't I can't deny it that I just don't I don't think that Bill Belichick is going to allow 30 plus That's points fair. out of the Lions. That's fair. This I, week. I I mean I am taking the underdog according to the spread and I definitely see what you're saying, but uh, there's something within me that wants to lose a point in my lead. Hey, I would be all for it. <laughs> I need it at this point. All right, we'll move on to Seahawks at Saints. Uh I wasn't going to make this direct comparison, but now that we're here, Geno Smith has almost been better statistically on every category than Russell Wilson uh, this season. <laughs> I'm, I'm giddy that you're making this comparison. Look, I see it all over Twitter and just social media in general. I mean, Geno Smith, 31.7 fancy points. A lot of that was thanks to height and rushing uh, yardage and a rushing touchdown. But Yeah, maybe Russell Wilson should try that more yeah, often. Yeah, I mean, that helped him have a good week this them. week. He got the rushing touchdown. Yeah. Um, so maybe he was inspired by Smith's performance, even though they probably played it like the, I think, no, no, I think Wilson played after. No, same time. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, I couldn't even follow that. I, I don't right. know what you were saying. But... I was saying Smith okay. maybe inspired Wilson. <laughs> sure. Thank you. But Smith, um, 
I mean, he supported 21.9 fantasy points for Metcalf and 13.1 for Lockett, both without catching a touchdown. That's what you like to see. Um, as we've always said, Metcalf is the safer option between him and Lockett, but if Smith keeps on being this efficient, uh, they're both starting in your lineups, or at least they should be. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I mean, we, we talked about DK and Lockett being players that you should be starting based on opportunity. Um, but the, the problem is that we didn't really know how this offense would look with Geno Smith at the helm. And although we got a small sample size of it the last season when Wilson was hurt, that being said, um, I'm not convinced that Geno Smith is the guy. Like, meaning, like, in this matchup against the Saints, I'm not trusting Geno Smith as my starter. And uh, the same thing with Rashad Penny. I think it was really more, I think it was really more that the Lions defense is just one of the worst. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First bat Hall of Famer. Let me talk about him. Rashad Penny, <laughs> yeah, go 28.7 fantasy points, 17 rushes for 151 yards and two rushing touchdowns and a catch for six yards, 69% of snaps. Big game. And we see him do this sometimes when he's healthy. I mean, this is the longest stretch that's been healthy, it feels. But as Blake yeah. said, it was against but the I Lions. Think, so. Yeah, it is against the Lions. And then you're going over to the Saints, who are historically a good run defense. I think that it's kind of clear that these uh seahawks players were elevated because of the opponent that they played last week i'm expecting uh basically i'm taking the under on all of these points i mean and that's not really that bold to say uh against the saints this week and so uh before we talk about the saints uh, let's go ahead and just confirm i mean we're both picking the saints to win this game at home um yeah it's just like them to bounce back from Their ball bouncing on the uh, the field goal frame in London. Off the crossbar and the <laughs> that was post. crazy. Um, yeah, I think they're going to bounce back from that. And yes, they are a much stronger defense, especially against the rush, than the Lions are. That kind of goes without saying. Well, and you got to keep in mind too, just just to mention. I mean, and you had it, you have it here. Jameis Winston, yep. Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara were Alvin Kamara were all inactive in week yeah. four. So, so keep an eye on all of them. But uh, any of them returning is an upgrade, even if. Yeah, any of them returning is an upgrade, like and and a problem for Seahawks. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about the rookie. Yeah, real quick. Chris Olave, sixteen point seven fantasy points, four receptions on seven targets, and a receiving touchdown, sixty-seven yards with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I, I yeah, think you're starting bad. him. I mean, obviously at flex. Yeah, no, you're definitely for sure. I think you're definitely flexing Chris Olave. He's like. 200 yards ahead of second place in air yards Jeez. in the whole NFL. That's so that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and it makes me feel good because I talked about um, for our week one preview saying that, you know, Chris Olave, given the type of player he is in this offense, I think he's going to be the downfield guy. And man, I, I couldn't have been more yeah. right because uh, 200 yard edge on the next best air yardage in the league is pretty insane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like Chris Olave. He's playing really well as a rookie. Caught a touchdown in this last game, which you love to see. Um, and just just an exciting young player. That's that's something that the league always loves having. Yep. And I'll uh, let you take back over as we move on to this next game. Um, Dolphins right. at Jets. Yeah, so this is a division matchup as well. Um, we do know that Tua 
with his concussion and his general mismanagement by the Dolphins organization. No I don't even think we're really um, going to get he, into that, but that has just been horrible. It's not, no, it's not a hot take, but it's uh, it's still worth mentioning. Um, he has been ruled out for week five. We're hoping that he recovers and is out there uh, in an appropriate time span and healthy and all the, all the good stuff about him. Um, so that being said, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, is the starter at the Jets this week. And, you know, among backup quarterbacks, I would argue he's probably one of the most competent. I mean, he's had starting jobs at many teams in his career. And so, like, Carolina, Denver, uh, the Saints for a short period, uh, Minnesota. Like, he's been a starter most of his career. So to find himself as a backup on the Miami Dolphins, which have fantastic wide receivers, um, it's a pretty good spot for Teddy Bridgewater. He filled in relatively well. Uh, once to a left in week four, uh, I'm not starting him unless I absolutely have to, which would be what a two quarterback league. Um, uh, there's no bye week, so it's kind of hard to advocate for him. But I don't know. I just that being said, you know, all as I'm you know singing him praises, <laughs> I'm still not starting yeah. him, but um, mostly just anticipating that you know lower expectations a little bit for the pass catchers, but you're still starting those guys. Um, but I want to talk about the running backs briefly here. I have them both. I know. I know you're getting, I know. Well, that's not the backfield to be invested in. I would say, um, Raheem Mostert, 10.1 fantasy points played a season high, 72% of the snaps, which if you're a chase Edmonds manager, that's a yikes. Um, if you have to start a Miami running back, Mostert's the guy, uh, got 15 carries, Caught a couple passes on three targets. not Nothing exciting, nothing sexy. Um, and then Chase Edmonds, 10 fantasy points, but it was bailed out on a touchdown. He, he was super inefficient, basically one yard a carry. And uh, a season low 28% of the snaps. He's touchdown dependent flex, like I mentioned last week. Um, the usage is alarming. And, uh, you know, people say follow the money. This guy was paid the most in the offseason. He should be getting all the touches. It's not It's not looking that way. Um, so if you can afford it, bench Chase Edmonds. That's what I'm That's what I'm advocating for. I really here. didn't expect to be <laughs> forced to have Jeff Wilson as my RB2 in week five of the season, but here we are. We'll talk about him later. But See, all the more reason you should take my offer for Chubb and Dylan. Nope. But uh, let's, let's go ahead and get back into it here. With... <laughs> With with the Jets, Zach Wilson went 18 for 36, 252 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, also caught a touchdown, and hit a clean gritty. That needs to be bonus so, points. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe in custom scoring yeah. leagues. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the nice thing I'm going to say about Zach Wilson, because you know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan, and that's putting it lightly. Um, here's the thing. The Jets averaged 51 or more, uh, over 51 pass attempts per game with Flacco. So getting 36 from Zach Wilson, it's going to bring the pass catcher's numbers down uh, pretty significantly. That's a, that's a pretty big drop. So uh, moving on to the running backs, Brees Hall seems to be the guy. Uh, 15.8 fantasy points, had a close call with his touchdown. It was almost knocked out of his hands before he crossed the goal line, uh, but managed to get it in before, and that counts all the same. So a season-high 66% of the snaps for Hall. That's good to see. Also six targets in Zach Wilson's return. 
also good, promising, uh, you know, involvement in the passing game for this team. Uh, on the other hand, Michael Carter, this guy's falling off fast. Yeah, 4.9 fantasy points. Uh, did manage 11 touches in this game, which you'd think is okay, but when you're carrying the ball nine times and getting 15 yards on the other end, that's not going to get it done. Um, I'm I'm advocating for benching Michael Carter moving forward. He's losing touches to the rookie, and it was really only a matter of time, but it's happening, I think, sooner than, than some people expected. Now transitioning back to the pass catchers here, um, I want to talk about Corey Davis. I'm going to talk about all of them quickly but Corey davis is the one and i know you already like you have something against for Corey years davis. i've had something against um, Corey davis but continue <laughs> nothing yeah. personal 18.4 no it's not but it's it's about how he plays yeah. on the field 18.4 fantasy points seven targets five catches 74 yards and a touchdown he is quietly wide receiver 26 <laughs> through four weeks and now with zach wilson at quarterback should davis be a flex consideration moving forward no, I think if you want to pick him up, he's burned me so many times in the past, so I don't want to pick him up. But it's worth rostering just for the fact that he's a top 26 wide receiver. But with Zach Wilson as your QB and you're unexpectedly outperforming the rest of the path catchers on your team, uh, those two things don't add up to me wanting to start him at flex. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I mean, obviously, if you're desperate, I think Corey Davis does offer upside. Um, but I was advocating for kind of fading all of these pass catchers until we saw what happened when Zach Wilson returned. Yeah. Um, now we have one game to go off of, and Corey Davis is the leader in receiving. Uh, and so, you know, kind of take that for what it's worth. I think he is does deserve to be a speculative add. Um Let's go ahead and move on to Elijah Moore, the second-year player. Um, has some history with uh, Zach Wilson, sort of. Um, more so, obviously, than Garrett Wilson. But 8.5 fantasy points for Moore. Four consecutive single-digit fantasy weeks. Uh, you got to bench him until further notice. He couldn't get it done with Joe Flacco. He hasn't gotten it done with Zach Wilson. It's just not happening for him, and it's really disappointing considering where he was going in drafts. Um, but no kidding. So he's been someone yeah, not not a lot to add there. He's been someone that people had high hopes for and drafted him kind of near the end of the round, uh, end of the draft, just because you know this offense was going to be a little bit unpredictable. But it's showing to be the negative side of that unpredictability, and that really is disappointing for Elijah Moore, who looked promising for a good stretch of uh, the season last year as a rookie. Yeah. Um, then Garrett Wilson, six point one fantasy points, had six targets, only caught two of them for forty one yards. Um, didn't seem to be on the same page with his quarterback and that and I think that comes from a lack of just you know game time together so I expect that to improve as Zach Wilson gets reintegrated with the offense um, but Carson I'll ask you and I think I know the answer but just for the viewers um, and listeners are you benching Garrett Wilson until the chemistry yeah, improves? I think you have to I mean two catches after what he's done in the previous four weeks and what has changed zach wilson so you need to see it from zach wilson before you can be confident yeah the the way i view it is that garrett wilson kind of popped up and was kind of unexpected in joe flacco's time and so it's like oh hey this is like a flex worthy guy and now that zach wilson's back it's like oh it kind of reset yeah. the the player to an extent and so uh take the good with the bad you had him for a week 
and he was good. Uh, if you started him that week that he broke out, kudos to you. I mean, it, it turned out right, even though I think going into the week that was not the right call. Um, but regardless, yeah, I think with where you drafted Garrett Wilson, you can afford to place him back on your bench. Um, hopefully you didn't blow up your team expecting that you had a superstar for the rest of the year um, and traded some talent away. But yeah, with Garrett Wilson, I'm, I'm benching him until the chemistry improves, until he kind of proves that he's uh, a valuable asset to this offense with Zach Wilson. Now, with Tyler Conklin, this is the one guy I'm making an exception for. Um, 8.2 fantasy points with no touchdowns, so you can kind of tell how that went for him. Um, a lower passing volume with Zach Wilson at quarterback does lower Conklin's value, uh, but tight end is so desolate that, you know, obviously I'm not going to blame you for chasing upside elsewhere, but I'm okay giving Conklin another chance in a game where I expect the Jets to play to be playing from behind for the majority of it. Um, that being said, I think we are both probably picking the Dolphins to win this one. Am I yeah. right in that? Yeah. I, they the Jets did win last week, which I was surprised about against the Steelers because I didn't think that Zach Wilson yeah, could do but, it. But no, they're not going to do it against the Dolphins, even though as we've said without yeah. Tua. But as we've also said, Teddy Bridgewater is definitely competent enough to lead this roster. And I would rather have Teddy Bridgewater than yeah, Zach Wilson. Not, I, I don't even I think that's bold. I don't even think that's bold. <laughs> well, the Jets should call up their division rival and be like, "Hey, what's Teddy Two Gloves doing when Tua gets healthy?" Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying. Dolphins. Um, it is, though. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Falcons and the Buccaneers now. And I got a lot to say on this one. Um, so let's go ahead and start with Cordero Patterson. He is uh, being placed on IR uh, due to a knee injury. He will miss a minimum of four weeks. And you don't really have many good options in terms of replacing him. Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier split the workload, 10 carries apiece. Um, Algier had the lone reception among the two backs, so not much upside there. And then while both backs averaged above five and a half yards per carry, uh, Atlanta was just kind of running all over Cleveland in that game. I don't expect them to have similar success at the Buccaneers, who ranked 12th in running yards or rushing yards allowed per game. Um, now, if you take the Kansas City just clinic that they put on the ground, against Tampa Bay, if you rule that out, which they put up 189 wow. yards in week four. Um, if you take away that game and you just factor in the first three weeks, Tampa Bay was holding opponents to fewer than 80 rushing yards a game, and there's just not a lot of upside there, especially in a committee. Yeah, so, they're usually like the best I'm not, rushing defense, arguably, so that is surprising. Yeah. I'm, I'm not advocating for any of these guys to replace Cordero Patterson. Um, at, at least not this week against the Bucks. Uh, moving on, because Atlanta was able to run so effectively, the pass catchers flopped in Week 4. 3.7 fantasy points for Drake London, and I know Kyle Pitts owners are cringing at this. 3.5 points for him. That is fewer than 4 fantasy points in 3 of the first 4 games for Kyle Pitts. I do expect a bounce-back week for both of these players in a game where Tom Brady will be looking to make a statement after the disappointing home loss in Week 4. But, Carson, let me ask you, are you starting Pitts this week if you roster him? That's so difficult. I I don't think you is, can't. Right? That's why I asked you. You can't. <laughs> I mean, if you're taking away that name and looking at those stats and what the coach has even said, you can't start him. And 
we both agreed that he was being drafted way too high in drafts comparatively to other tight ends. Yeah. So you kind of put yourself in a corner if you drafted him because I doubt you went and got a good backup. But I guess that's what's important. If you have well, someone... Yeah, if you, no, if I, would you were say, smart, I would say if you did... Go ahead, because I think we're going to say the same thing. <laughs> okay. Um, if you picked up one of those guys that we mentioned before, Tyler Higby yeah. or uh, even David Njoku or Gerald Everett, you know, those are guys that... Uh, Tyler Conklin. Um, those are all guys that I would feel more comfortable starting ahead of Kyle Pitts if you want a floor. Yeah, if you're looking I for think a ceiling, roll Kyle Pitts. Completely agree. Like Pitts, you could boom because he has that ability. But I'd, if yeah. you're needing wins, and again, it has a lot to say with your record and how you feel with the rest of your team and what you think you need to do sure. strategically, but I would go for the floor. I mean, there are other tight ends that we've talked about, like you've said, that have better floors for sure than Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is like one of the worst floors out of any tight ends, which is so surprising so far. Yeah, well, it, it has a lot to do, like you mentioned, with how the coach views yeah. it, um, which is just, it's so, it's so, it's such a bad take. It's a real L for, for Arthur Smith there. Um, let's talk about the Buccaneers now. And this is where I get excited because, as you may or may not know, I'm a big Tom Brady fan. Um, he finally looked like himself last week with a stat line of 39 completions on 52 attempts, 385 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, did lose a fumble on a uh, on a DB blitz that just you know didn't he just got blindsided and that happens. Um, but here's where I'm really excited. Two of Tom's best games last season were against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, which, by the way, 28-3, to three, where are you at? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in those games, he combined for nine touchdowns and just one interception. You like those numbers. I expect a big game from Tom Brady. And it's nice to see that he finally has his pass catchers back. I'm going to briefly skip over uh, the running backs here. Talk about Chris Godwin. 12.9 fantasy points, 10 targets, 7 catches, 59 yards. He looked better in this game, and honestly, I would consider him a buy-low candidate because once he becomes fully healthy, fully back in the mix on this offense, we know what he's capable of as a you know top 15 wide receiver easily. So uh, buy-low if you can on Chris Godwin because it's going to the window is going to close sooner rather than later. Now back to the running backs. Leonard Fournette, 18.4 fantasy points on a very peculiar stat line. Three carries for negative three yards and seven catches on seven targets for 57 and a touchdown. Tampa Bay got behind early uh, in week four against Kansas City and had to throw often to keep up with Mahomes. I mean, that's indicative by the uh, 52 pass attempts from Brady. That being said, Rashad White, who, oh, by the way, happened to fumble the opening kickoff, giving Kansas City their first yeah. scoring drive. Oh, that was Rashad he White? Finished the I game. didn't realize it was Rashad White. Yes, no. yes. So he finished the game with three carries for six yards and a touchdown, and then five catches on five targets for 50 yards. All three of his carries came in the red zone, which resulted in the short touchdown. I'm not sure what to make of that usage, uh, but still only handled 38% of the snaps overall. So nothing to panic about yet if you roster Leonard Fournette like I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, anything to take away from this, Carson? It's weird, but off of one game, you know, one had 10 touches, the other had eight. I agree. I don't, you can't just like completely panic on Fournette and think that, yeah. oh, Rashad White's the running back. Well, no, he had the same amount of carries and just happened to get the rushing touchdown. So I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's more indicative of how the game yes. was 
Brady, knowing just the game script in Brady general. Brady was having to sling um, it because they started out behind, as you said. And, yeah, it was a high-scoring and game. And the thing about it, too, is... The thing about it, too, is that Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette have such a great, strong relationship that I think more often than not, Leonard Fournette's going to be his guy in the moments that he needs him. Um, Rashad White, as the rookie, you know, finding a way, finding his role in this offense, I'm not convinced that he is going to take this job away from Fournette anytime soon. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and pick this game. I am confidently taking the Buccaneers as nine-point home favorites. I assume that you won't be bold enough to go against me No, I'm not going with the Falcons again. I expect (laughs) a bounce back for Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay. All right, sounds good. Um, Let's move on to Titans at Commanders. So here we go. Ryan Tannehill completed 17 balls on 21 attempts. That's great efficiency. Got you all of 137 passing yards and two touchdowns. So the low-volume passing game limits upside of all pass catchers in this offense. We've been saying it all season long. This is Derrick Henry's team and 10 other guys that are just blocking for him. Uh, Traylon Burks diagnosed with turf toe. He could be placed on IR. That's not officially been... uh, been done yet um but he will likely be a multi-week injury to recover from um tennessee has a week six bye so monitor his status moving forward but honestly with how he's performed so far this season i would argue he's droppable would you agree (sighs) Traylon burks if you if you need the spot yeah i guess if you need the spot i mean this offense is just horrible if you're four and oh it doesn't matter this offense is horrible so yeah i agree uh, yeah, if you need the spot, if you're 4-0, it doesn't matter, because I think Traylon Burks could be promising as a rookie drafted in the first round of the real draft, but this is a gross offense. So, yeah, I agree. Cool. Um, on to the Commanders. Carson Wentz, with back-to-back single-digit fantasy weeks, struggled Rubble. at Dallas to the tune of 25 completions, 42 pass attempts, 170 yards. This is two high-flying offenses, am I right? <laughs> Uh, one touchdown and two interceptions. He has attempted 41 or more passes every week thus far. So that's reassuring. That's like the opposite of Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> um, but despite the poor performance in consecutive weeks, he is still QB 10 on the season. Are you willing to start Wentz versus Tennessee this week? Willing. And before you answer that, before you answer that, let me just give the give the yeah. context. Tennessee ranks 28th in passing yards allowed per game. That means it's good, right, from what I remember? That's, that they're a bad yeah, passing they're, defense. They're, That's what that means. I'm sorry. Yes, it means they are a bad defense against the I pass. think that most people shouldn't be in a situation where they have to start Wentz. Maybe if their main quarterback got injured, then he was a good waiver wire yeah, pickup. Yeah, Trey Lance. Sure. Um, so I think in that instance, like you literally, your other guy's injured. Sure. Throw Wentz out there. Hopefully he can do better. He's slinging it. That's good for fantasy. But, you know, if you just picked him up because he was on a hot streak and you have another quarterback that maybe like a burrow or potentially that you were lower on than you expected, he's probably not even the best example. But like you would never expect Wentz or want to start Wentz over burrow, hoping that Wentz returns to his week one through three performances. No, I weeks one through two actually because like we said back to back single digit scoring. Um, no, but I think I think it's important to note like home to Philadelphia in week three and then at 
uh, Dallas in week sure. four, as we mentioned, those are two legit defenses. Yeah. And if Carson Wentz uh, just rises up amongst the scrubs, then that's like, that's worth something. I, and I also think that there are situations like if you drafted Matthew Stafford as your QB one, you're probably looking at Carson Wentz in this matchup and being like, uh, yeah, I'll take some of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you have you to agree? have waited. That's a good comparison. If you waited for Stafford as your QB one, then I think Wentz is like this premier QB two that has risen based off his performances to start the season. Then yeah, it's a good matchup in that. Regard. Are you playing? Are you playing Aaron Rodgers against the Giants instead of Carson Wentz? Are gross options. I love having Lamar Jackson because I don't <laughs> that's have to think what, about but this. But that's who we need to consider. Yeah. I think the people who yeah. picked up Wentz early this year probably did have some kind of gross options and were like, hey, I'll take a flyer on this guy I think the context putting up- of the matchups, as you said, would make me think that you're not uh, overreacting to want to bench that other player for Wentz. So I'm basically giving okay. you a neutral answer. I don't think that you have to start him, <laughs> but I also don't think that you are making a bad choice in starting him because of that matchup. So, kind of teetering okay. on a fence, but All right, understood. <laughs> no, let, that's good. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the running backs. Um, Antonio Gibson, who I have affectionately referred to as a punt returner since <laughs> the preseason. Uh, 9.3 fantasy points. He got 13 carries for 49 yards, three catches on three targets for 14 yards. Now, despite being running back 19 on the season, Gibson has been declining in snap percentage week after week and does not look like the long-term solution at running back for the commanders. He is averaging three and a quarter, roughly, yards per carry for the season. A touchdown has kept him above single-digit finishes twice already. And J.D. McKissick had a season-high eight carries this past week. The last time he did that was week six of 2021. Played over 50% of the snaps as well, McKissick did. Um, This is just a bad look for Antonio Gibson, and it's coming at the worst possible time, you could argue, as Brian Robinson could be coming off the PUP uh, in this Week 5 matchup. Initial signs are pointing towards him getting his career debut versus Tennessee, as head coach Ron Rivera was quoted saying it looks very promising that Robinson could play Week 5. I'm advocating for monitoring his status as his ADP continued to rise throughout the preseason with the news they announced it Robinson would be the team's lead back so if Robinson's activated off the NFI the non-football injury list prior to this game here's where I'm saying okay I know I know what I've said this whole segment but here's where I'm saying hold him on your bench you can afford to wait one more game to see how Brian Robinson gets used because we don't know what his work like workload is going to look like um, without any additional information to go off of. I think that he's going to end up being the better player in this backfield, the player that you're going to want to have over Antonio Gibson. I'm saying all that. But what I'm also saying is coming off of an injury, coming off PUP, I'm not going to just thrust him out there and be like, hey, whatever he gets, it's got to be better than, you know, blank. Yeah. So... Uh, and I think you would agree with me on that thought process. Yeah. It's just too risky to just to throw a rookie you out there to, and be like, hey. You need to see what he does, especially on a team that's been throwing the ball as much as it has. Um, sure. To just expect that this rookie running back is just now going to be the focal point of the offense is a little naive. Yeah. And then uh, briefly, we'll talk about Jahan Dotson uh, dealing with a hamstring issue, which if you roster 
Keenan Allen, you know, is a, a week-to-week type of designation. And so he is expected to miss one to two weeks, monitor his status moving forward. Um, we're going to pick this game, and this is this is probably the toughest one of the day. Um, <sighs> Titans at the Commanders. I'm giving the edge to the Commanders in this one, I think, because... They just seem like a more confident throwing team, I'm and I think gonna that have to agree. Even though this is an underdog pick for both of us, <laughs> did I convince you? I I, th- I think you're what you're about to rationalize, or what you're about to rationalize is correct. I mean, if Ryan, mm-hmm. I, I'm just picking a team that's throwing the ball more, and also has yeah. It's not like neither defense is good. No. That's the thing. So so pick the passing. Kind of have to yeah. Probably, yeah. That's that's what I'm going with and here. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry could have a monster yes. game, and it wouldn't surprise me. But I don't know if that's going to ultimately be enough uh, for them to win the True. whole game. So I'm picking the Commanders with I agree. you. With us. All right, cool. <laughs> let's move. <laughs> let's move on to the Sunday afternoon games, um, starting with the 49ers at the Carolina Panthers. Um, and I know you could speak to this as someone who rosters him, but I'm going to say continue starting Jeff Wilson if you need him. Um, he does have limited upside in PPR scoring, but he is still a flex consideration. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers, Debo continues to play well, and hopefully San Francisco recognizes that he makes the biggest impact for their offense when he plays at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, he did get a season low of two carries in week four, which I love as a manager of him. Um, six catches on seven targets for 115 yards and a touchdown, including a 57-yard <laughs> catch and run awesome. for the score. Yeah, I really like Debo. was going all over social media. I really like Debo. No, Debo's a great guy. Um, I like him as well. He's an exciting player to watch, and he's just uh, he's a tough runner, and you love to see that from a wide receiver. So uh, on the other hand, Brandon Ayuk, 7.7 fantasy points in week four. He is a low-end flex at best, uh, potentially a buy-low candidate because we have seen him have uh, you know, mid-teen to low-20 games uh, under Jim, or, sorry, with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback on this offense. So there's upside there for sure, but he, we're just not seeing it from him thus far in the season. And so if you want to buy low on Brandon Ayuk, I wouldn't fault you for it, but I also think right now he's a low-end flex. Yeah, I mean, he had a horrible start to the season last year whenever Garoppolo was at quarterback, and he kind of had a resurgence near the end, but again, still nothing like Debo was overshadowing everyone. And I know you're about to talk about Kittle, so there's more to be said about how last season went with him too that's somewhat similar. Yeah. So with George Kittle, uh, another disappointing outing, 4.4 fantasy points, almost caught a touchdown, just couldn't get that second feed in bounds. You hate to see that. Um but yeah, I mean, what are you doing? Because I, I would argue this is a different situation from Kyle Pitts because we know that San Francisco likes using Kittle yeah. um, when the opportunity presents itself. Um, and I did mention that with the absence of Trent Williams, that Kittle was going to be used more as a blocker. Um, and that seems to be the case, given that he only received four targets in this game. Um, but w- w- what are your thoughts if you roster Kittle? I mean, this is only a second game he's played this season, what he did in week four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think the Kyle Pitts comparison is worth noting because I'd be more willing to start Kittle just because of, I mean, he ab- historical yeah, value. He can absolutely boom, yeah. and he's done it with Garoppolo at quarterbacks. And 
I know we say play the floor, but I think Kittle kind of gives me a little bit more confidence for sure than what Pitts has done so far this season. But again, uh, this is why we don't play of tight ends. If you if you need <laughs> safer points, play a Higby, play a Njoku, someone you got the waivers. Yeah, at this point, at this point, you know who the guys are that off waivers you can pretty confidently plug into your lineup. Um, but again, if you're chasing upside, Kittle is a definite start. Um, he has been shown to have 40-point weeks yeah. before, just like uh, Hawkinson did last week. So it happens. Um, tight ends are inconsistent, especially, you know, I mean, even Mark Andrews has bad games. Even Travis Kelsey has had uh, a 10-point game this season, which is not bad. I mean, <laughs> people are killing level. for 10 points at <laughs> yeah. tight end. But yeah, he's he's on a different. He is one of one in terms of that position. So uh, yeah, with Kittle, if you want upside, roll him out there. Um, but l- like I said, he's going to be used more as a blocking uh, tight end, and that and that hurts his value obviously in fantasy. Um, let's move on to the Panthers here, who are the six and a half point underdogs at home. I don't think it's necessarily wrong given who they're going up against, um, but. What was Vegas smoking, having Carolina as the favorites against the as against the Cardinals last week? Great question, and I made it clear last week too. <laughs> so that's all I'll say. It, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. So uh, this team, outside of Christian McCaffrey, who scored just under twenty six fantasy points, uh, it looks awful under Baker Mayfield. And <laughs> here's a stat line: twenty two completions, thirty six attempts. 197 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a fumble. The pass catchers are gasping for air, trying to keep their head above water in this offense. DJ Moore, who I think you pretty confidently had as, (laughs) what was it, your wide receiver 11 for season long? Something close to that, Uh, yeah. He's struggling. Um, 11 11 is close to what he put up last week, 12.1. That's not horrible, but it's not what you drafted him for. Um it's his first game with greater than six targets, which is a step in the right direction. He had 11 in this one. Uh, but what do you do if you roster DJ Moore? I think that target increase is important to know. It makes you feel a little bit better. So, again, maybe a potential buy-low candidate. But I expected Baker Mayfield to be competent, and he just really isn't. So, you know, you have to live with that. If you're wanting to go after more or if you have more, that you can expect more of this from Baker Mayfield whenever he puts up a stat line like that. But at the end of the day, he is the wide receiver one in the offense, um, even if McCaffrey gets more catches than him. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's a it's a bad it's a bad look for the for the pass catchers and just anyone involved in the pass game not named Christian McCaffrey. Um, we are both confidently taking the 49ers in this one on the road. It doesn't bother us at all. Uh, no. Baker Mayfield is just a turnover machine, and he just looks bad. I mean, there's no there's no nice way to put it, really. A great defensive um, showing so against the Rams last Sunday or Monday night, whatever it was. So I expect him to do Monday that night, against yeah. Baker. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree yeah. with that. Um, let's talk about Eagles at the Cardinals. This has the makings of a good game, potentially. Um, <clears throat> we'll start with the Eagles, of course. Miles Sanders had an awesome day, uh, 29.6 fantasy points. He got 27 carries, which has to be close to a career high. If not uh, if not the career high, I didn't look into that, but I'm sure it's close. Maybe you can while I talk about this. But um, 
134 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and then two catches on three targets for 22 yards. He had a season-high 67% of the snaps. This is probably the best game you could ever expect from Miles Sanders. And I want to mention Boston Scott was inactive with a rib issue last week. So this three-headed monster turned into a two-headed monster. And Miles Sanders carried the bulk of the carries. Uh, This is a sell-high candidate for me. I mean, 100%. The fact that he had this awesome of a game... Uh, you should be thanking him in more ways than one in terms of, yeah, thanks for doing a great job on my team. Now, please get me a good player that I can actually consistently <laughs> rely upon. Um, yeah. Because the reality is that Boston Scott will be back sooner rather than later. And this uh, two-headed backfield comes or returns into a three-headed backfield. And that's just not something I want to be a part of. Um, yeah. I mean, you can stop me if I'm wrong. I but don't like, completely disagree. Obviously, the Eagles... Yeah, go I, ahead. Ten more rushing attempts than he's had in any other game this season um you like to see that he's getting those touchdowns but you don't want to have to rely on a running back that does that and since he doesn't catch a lot of passes he's caught eight passes on the season averaging two receptions per game i don't disagree i think that he is a sell high candidate but he is Mm -hmm. getting touches but at the end of the day you're going to get his most value for him right now so i agree with that yeah so just to double back on what I said, this is a career high in rushes. He His next highest was in week 13 of 2021 against the Jets, where he had 24 for 120. Mm-hmm. So this is a career game for Miles Sanders. And like you were saying, um, yeah, a sell-high candidate that uh, can hopefully get you someone that's a little bit more consistent, a little bit more reliable. Now, obviously, being tied to the only remaining undefeated team is nice, Um, because it is a team that is scoring well. But remember the weeks where every running back on the team got a touchdown? Like, that's not what you want to see. So, yeah, sell high on Sanders. Let's move on to the pass catchers. Devontae Smith, 4.7 fantasy points. His usage so far has been frustrating, to say the least. Uh, in In week one, four targets with no catches. In weeks two and three seven and twelve that's a step in the right direction and then back down to week or back down to four targets in week four so it it seems like it's an inconsistent boom or bust role for smith and it's probably not going to change i don't see how it can especially with aj brown there he's he's the alpha in the offense and if last season's game log is any indication of things to come he had nine games of less than nine fantasy points and eight games with 10 or greater fantasy points. So uh, that's about as boom-bust as it gets, wouldn't you say? For sure. I mean, A.J. Brown has proven to be misreliable, and you know, Devontae Smith was coming off of NFC Offensive Player of the Week uh, before the week where he yeah. did this. So, <laughs> yes. Of course, yeah. Agreed. All right, so then on to Dallas Goddard. 12.2 fantasy points, no touchdowns. That's okay at tight end. That's what we're looking for. Uh, obviously, we love the touchdowns when they come, but uh, in terms of consistency, uh, Dallas Goddard remains a high floor um, with high with high ceiling upside. We've seen him, you know, have multiple touchdown games in his career, and so that's uh, that's a guy that if you drafted, you feel pretty comfortable with. Uh, moving on to the Cardinals now, Kyler Murray had a nice bounce back game in Week Four. 23 completions on 32 attempts, 207 yards two touchdowns, one interception, and also rushed 12 times for 26 yards and another touchdown. Um, I want to talk about James Conner for a little bit. 
10.7 fantasy points in week four. He has been disappointing in his efficiency so far. Uh, Only one touchdown on the season does indicate that those who projected touchdown regression, like you did, um, they seem to have been right so far. Um, But would you view James Conner as a buy-low candidate? I think, with all that being said, still yes. um, Because, you know, he's proven to get those touchdowns. Even if that's not reliable, those opportunities are valuable. And someone who's getting the touches that he is getting, 18 touches... And 10 points, that's unlucky, especially whenever he's uh, so heavily used in goal line situations, obviously, to get that many touchdowns. Um, So yeah, buy low, but there are things that limit Connor's ceiling um, that people might have thought was super high after a stretch of last season. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I think buy low on Connor, he has been inefficient, but I think that that probably improves over time. now, moving on to Marquise Hollywood Brown. He is play- He's living up to that name. Uh, 20.8 fantasy points. He is unexpectedly the wide receiver 10 through four weeks. Um, now that, that has definitely exceeded my personal expectations, but we talked about this in our wide receiver rankings video uh, during preseason that while Hopkins is serving his six-game suspension, we do expect Hollywood to have more usage and more production in this offense because, you know, who's he competing against? The the ghost of A.J. Green, um, obviously an, an aging Zach Ertz, and uh, Rondale Moore, who has really not been healthy up until last week. And then uh, no one was talking about Greg Dortch, um, who, by the way, fell into obscurity once again, uh, despite A.J. Green not playing last week. I so it, I think it had to be I think it's Rondale pretty- Moore even though he didn't do a whole lot, just that he did played 86% of snaps, but yeah. Yeah, and yes, Dorch's uh, usage completely plummeted, and I think he is safely droppable um, moving forward. Yeah. But yeah, Hollywood Brown, uh, here's the question. Can he keep up this production uh, through the next two weeks? And then what happens once Hopkins enters re-enters the mix? I worry. I do worry because... Um, You know, Hollywood Brown has been this boom-bust player in his career with Mark Andrews being the other best pass catcher on his team. So what happens when he gets (laughs) a very talented player next to him in DeAndre Hopkins, who has somehow become touchdown-dependent himself? Uh, You know, there's like you've said, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So I don't know if he he can't keep up this production target-wise, but I think he could still be reliable in your lineup. How about that? I know, but 39 targets over the past three games is pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, I think you're getting very close to your window for selling high on Marquise Brown closing. Oh, for sure. And that, that's what I'm concerned about, because I think once Hopkins does return, he kind of does demand more of those targets. Um, and, you know, Marquise Brown's numbers are going to go down inevitably. So I think your window is closing. <clears throat> and so... Just be warned on that. Um, Carson, who are you picking in this oh, one? Come on. Come on. Um, I think it has to be the Eagles, although somehow there's a part of me that wants to pick the Cardinals, but I'm not going to go against the undefeated team in this one. Um, if you want to differ with me, go for it. <laughs> I don't uh, particularly. You know, I would, I would really consider it if Hopkins were back, but he's just not yeah. yet. And so I'm going to give the edge to the team that's been playing hot. I mean, especially, you know, 
Arizona has just not looked good in most of their games. They got lucky against the Raiders, yeah. I would say, and uh, they should probably be a worse record than they are currently. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with you there. I, I think it's that's not the hill that I'm looking to yeah. die on. Agreed. All right, let's move on to Cowboys at the Rams. If you thought that Matthew Stafford was going to get a break from the pass rush, Micah Parsons would like a word with you. Um, but let's let's talk about the offensive guys here. Um, Cooper Rush remains undefeated as the starter. Now, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of, uh, we'll call it malarkey yeah. to keep it family-friendly about Cooper Rush. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a nice story, um, but... Uh, when Dak Prescott's healthy, I don't think Cooper Rush is going to be competing for the starting yeah. role. I mean, would you disagree? I don't disagree. I think that you know that whole tweet of Cooper Rush better watch out or he's going to go play for the Panthers might be the most realistic outcome out of all these. <laughs> that headlines. is more realistic. Yeah. That yeah. I just he's so, yeah. competent, competent backup, but at the end of the day, he's he's not a game changer. He just isn't. So. No, it's really on the back of the defense yeah. um, that the Cowboys are finding success in his uh, tenure at starting I mean, he, QB. He hasn't, um, he's thrown, oh my gosh, I'm just looking at the stats now. He's thrown four passing <laughs> touchdowns in three games, and it's only wow. in his highest, that's not horrible, but it's not like what people should be praising so adamantly. And the most passing completions he's had in a game is 21, and he hasn't thrown for more than 235 yards. What are people talking about? He hasn't thrown an interception. So there you go. Competent backup. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get you too riled up on this. We're, we're nearing the end of this. But um, you know who it's certainly not on the back of, as we've already said, it's the defense. It's not the running yeah. backs. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, 10.1 fantasy points. Here's a very inefficient day. 19 carries for 49 yards. Uh, two carry or sorry two catches rather for 32 yards on two targets as well Zeke continues to struggle uh, averaging just over two and a half yards per carry uh, against a pitiful Washington run defense that was allowing over 120 rushing yards per game through the first three weeks so uh, okay maybe Zeke struggled but how about Tony Pollard he probably did well right nope 1.8 fantasy points eight carries for six yards and one catch on three targets for two yards. This is three consecutive weeks of fewer than 45% of the snaps for Pollard. Uh, what do you do if you roster, and I know you love these questions, what do you do if you roster either of these running backs, or, get this, how about both of them? I can't ever start Pollard if Zeke is healthy 100%, and you probably have to start Zeke because 21 touches is hard to throw on your bench. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Try to try to you know chin up. Like, uh, no, because no, I had both of get them some last spirit season, here, boys. and we talked about it almost every <laughs> single week in this in in these episodes. Yeah. So it's honestly a carbon copy of the latter half of last season, and uh, yeah, it's disappointing. It's they should be thanking their defense, as you've said many times, uh, for their. Outcomes. So you're so you're saying you should keep starting Zeke, and keep Pollard on your bench. I think you have to for the reasons I've said. Although I'm not excited about okay. being having shares in this backfield, whatsoever. Yeah, as you can tell, certainly not, <laughs> certainly not. Um, and then I want I want to quickly talk about Dalton Schultz. He disappointed. Um, obviously, zero fantasy points, uh, no catches on three targets. You don't like that at all. 
Um, going from nine targets in week one to four targets in week two, which that was the game he left late, and then three in week four with zero catches, as we just said. Now, obviously, we talked about how a strained MCL can be a limiting injury, um, but what should you do if you roster Dalton Schultz? I think that all oh, these tight end questions. I would like to think <laughs> that this is a blip in his return to return from injury and that Cooper Rush targeted yeah. him a lot in the game where he came in uh, in week one. So I would think that this is... Well, but it is... No, it's, it's fair to say that... Um... Uh, Dak Prescott played the vast majority of sure. that game. So sure. it really wasn't a lot of Cooper Rush targets, if I remember correctly. I think um, he did still target him, but, but it was, yes. I mean, it wasn't just because of Cooper Rush, of course. But yeah, I think yeah. that... Just wanted to get that yeah, out there. I think that this is uh, not a fair representation of what Schultz should be doing in this offense, of course. So, but again, you know, throwing someone back into your starting lineup after zero points, never that excited about doing that. But yeah, so I'll say this uh, as someone who rosters Schultz in a league, I'm going to start Tyler Conklin again ahead of him mm-hmm. because I, I made the mistake last week of benching Conklin in favor of Schultz because Schultz was quote unquote healthy and back. Um, I'm going to keep him out of my lineup until he proves himself moving forward because uh, you can't take a zero at tight end. You can't take a zero at any position, but um yeah, it's just I have somebody who has a higher floor right now, yeah. and so I'm going to roll with the guy that, that I trust a little bit more right now. There's a bug flying in my room if you keep seeing me wave my hand around. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, with, with Schultz, I'm holding him out until he until he kind of plays his way back into the starting lineup. Um, and let's go ahead and move on to the Rams here, who... I think we can safely say Matthew Stafford has a crush on Cooper Cup. Obviously, we saw that last season, but he has a newfound love for Tyler Higby. 14 targets last week. Cooper Cup getting 19 targets. Uh, he doesn't seem to be getting enough time to make any other reads. The Rams allowed seven sacks last mm-hmm. week, uh, Monday night. And so, you know, the end of last mm-hmm. week. But, yeah, either way, um, the offense failed to score a single touchdown. It was uh, three field goals for them against the 49ers. The running backs, obviously playing from behind all game prevents Henderson and Akers from having much impact on the ground. But, I mean, is this matchup any better for them? I would argue no. no. So I'm probably benching both of those guys if I can. Um, and then when it comes to Allen Robinson, I know this is a sore spot yeah. for you because you roster him, but 2.7 fantasy points in, in week four, two catches on six targets for seven yards. He has been below four and a half fantasy points in three of four games. <laughs> and I'm sure you would take almost any offer. Uh, is Allen Robinson a buy low candidate for I you? I sure hope so because that means his value will increase. Um, I don't know. I think that there are so many troubling things that I've read, like Sean McVay saying, uh, "It's been out of it's been out of Robinson's control." His lack of production. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, um, I, well, I think it could it could be tied to the offensive line. Okay, that's um, fair. Which which I'm which I referenced. Like, I mean, you can't you can't give up that many sacks and expect you know secondary or even tertiary reads to 
be like Stafford doesn't have enough time to develop plays like down the field routes and I think that that might be actually fair yeah. uh, analysis from the coach sure. there because if they're not blocking for Stafford he's going to be making quick reads to his most trusted guys which are the guys that have been around on the offense longer Cooper Cup, Tyler Hickey okay. I'm feeling and then I mean yeah I mean I think I don't think that's far sure. off off base but but how does it improve that's the real yeah and i will say that there's been some explanations and we talked about this last week but here we go again week one against the bills seven sacks so you get why robinson have a great game week two he caught a touchdown so that was good week three uh he didn't do well of course and stafford only had 18 completions and then week four allowed seven Mm -hmm. sacks so you know there's been reasons every single time so your analysis of what mcveigh said if, if that even is a real quote i'm pretty sure i read that but uh, <laughs> just made yeah. it up. Could make you feel better, and maybe I mean, uh, can't can't I imagine that say, anyone's going to leverage Robinson too hard against you if you're wanting to go after him. So, yeah, I think I think Robinson's value is pretty much at its minimum for the season. Um, yeah. I don't see it getting much lower, um, you know, barring injury. But um, yeah, Allen Robinson, I think, is a buy low candidate. If you're four and zero, take a flyer on him. And if he does develop in this offense, you know, maybe they sign a free agent or make a trade for an offensive lineman that can make an impact on the team, make that final playoff push for Aaron Donald um, to get that second Super Bowl ring. I think that's a. I think that's entirely within the realm of possibilities um, for Allen Robinson and this team. Uh, that being said. I don't know if you're with me on this, but I'm picking the Cowboys to win this one on the road. I think I am with you. And I'm sorry <laughs> okay. for any sort of discrepancy. I was hoping yeah, I know. But I'm looking for edge I'm looking to make that make that back, but hopefully my Patriots. Every hold single up time me. they've played a good defense. Uh, they've been bad. They've been bad. Yeah. It's 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 as simple as that. Um, these are your two final yeah. games to talk about, so I'll go ahead and hand the mic back over to you, so to speak. Yeah. So, Bengals at Ravens, Sunday Night Football. I don't have a whole lot to say from either team because almost every single player on the Bengals performed at their projection, so it's like, okay, in their Thursday night matchup against the Dolphins <laughs> last week. But one one person that did uh, overperform was T. Higgins, 25.4 fantasy points. He had a touchdown and 124 receiving yards so that's great for higgins but jamar chase 12.1 fantasy points four receptions on six targets 81 yards i mean not a horrible game but you know not not performing where you drafted him at so i'm not gonna make too big of a deal out of this because the Bengals themselves have had a slow start and you're of course not benching chase but you are a little bit disappointed um with his production thus far um you got anything else to add because you know everyone else that you're starting in the Bengals is doing uh, what they should be doing at least yeah I, I i i would say that i'm a little concerned with how joe mixon's running the ball um he's been pretty inefficient and that's a little concerning for me if i roster him um he's got great volume I don't know though. off the top of my head it's that volume well i know that's the thing horrible yards per carry but great vol- volume. volume right volume and talent is what we look for and uh, mixon has both but i I don't know. It's just it's still a little concerning it has been to weird. me. So it has been weird. Um, I don't know off the top of my head where the Ravens rank against the run this far in the season, but I know they've been giving up a lot of yards through yes. the air, and that's where that's where the Bengals are most strong. So I think it's going to be a good week for those starters. Um, yeah. 
you know, if you have to, if you just want to throw a dart, I, I wouldn't be afraid of starting ty- or flexing Tyler Boyd if you need mm. him, because um, I think this would be a good matchup for that. But uh, we know that Tyler Boyd is inconsistent, so I'm not putting my stamp of approval on that call. I'm just saying if you need it, it's a good matchup. Uh, it's worth it's worth a shot. Yeah, and divisional matchup I didn't even mention, so that in prime times would make it even. Yeah. Uh, better game potentially <clears throat> Ravens though I'll transition to uh, monitor Rashad Bateman's foot injury which is deemed as day-to-day um, although he hasn't really been that exciting ever since getting his two big receiving touchdowns in the first two weeks but keep an eye on that and uh, the Ravens really didn't have a lot of great pass catchers perform well fantasy wise um, so the only real thing to pull from this that was big was JK Dobbins had 22.3 fantasy points playing 50% of snaps, which was more than his season debut in uh, week three. He had 13 carries. Yeah, but he found the end zone yes, twice. Yes, found the end zone twice on 17 touches. So I guess, yeah, your skepticism that you might have brought up. Uh, how you feel in about Dobbins after a performance like this? I'm not I'm not convinced, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think the touchdown, the touchdown equity there is probably higher than we should expect, especially with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. I mean... Lamar is, uh, he's liable to, to break off a couple rushing touchdowns himself, and that, that lowers the upside for Dobbins in that offense. Um, there's also rumblings of Gus Edwards yeah. uh, kind of reemerging and getting healthy, and he's going to be taking touches away from Dobbins. Honestly, I, I was not high on Dobbins, and, and we talked about this in our rankings video and our mock draft that, you know, Dobbins is not a guy that I'm really comfortable drafting, um obviously starting the season just last week for him his first game uh but yeah i i i don't feel good about it that's all i'll say and to give some general context for all the pass catchers because i kind of mentioned that earlier um lamar didn't really he he did it as like his average completions average attempts he's actually been really consistent he just hasn't wasn't very efficient in this game with those completions only through one passing touchdown and two interceptions that's the most interceptions he's thrown this season in a game and the least touchdowns he's thrown so and it was against the bills so keep that in mind but yeah. for this game i'm picking the ravens which might okay that's a convincing that's a convincing pick there um <laughs> here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna pick the Bengals in this one and here's why their offensive line looked really good mm. um in week four on thursday night they had a very, very strong outing. Now, granted, the Miami Dolphins do not have the most formidable pass rush, but honestly, I don't think the Ravens do either. So if the Bengals' offensive line can hold up, I think they are the better team, um, and it's just going to be a matter of containing Lamar, that's, which, that's what I, as we've seen... I don't know. I know. I know. He's an X-factor, but if the Beng- I think the Bengals can keep up with him at the very, at the very worst, and... You know, I was going to say the Bengals have one of the best kickers, but so do the Ravens. So this one could go down to the wire. Um, It wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. But uh, just for the excitement of Sunday Night Football and the fact that I do believe if the offensive line holds up, I'm picking the Bengals against Yeah, I think this is definitely one I could lose, but I'm not going to switch. Uh, We'll move on to Monday Night Football. (laughs) Last game we'll talk about Raiders at Chiefs divisional matchup. So with the Raiders, Josh Jacobs boomed 34.5 fantasy points i think this has got to be like career high on a lot of these 28 carries 144 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns 
and five receptions for on six targets for 31 yards, 89% of snaps. I have legit question mark right here. Um, and I know you said you wanted to elaborate on that potential question. So I'll let you do that. Is this legit? <laughs> yeah. So here's what I'll say. Obviously the snap percentage is a very, uh, reassuring statistic that we can pull from. Um, but this is also probably a season high game for Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So is it legit? Like, well, sort of like he's not going to do this week in and week out. Um, but he's also, you know, the thing that I really like is that he's been getting involved in the passing game in the last two weeks, uh, five targets and six targets last week, and then five catches in each game. That's where I think he kind of makes his money on your fantasy team in PPR scoring, of course. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is like, is he going to be, is he going to remain RB seven for the whole year? Probably not. So from that perspective, he's not legit, but um, I think you have to hold him. I don't think he's a sell high. I'll say it that way. I think that's, that's fair analysis. I mean, for someone who's probably your RB two, 33 touches is incredible, not sustainable, as you've said, but the fact that he got involved in the passing game a little bit, five receptions, that's, better than what he's done in the past so that's reassuring and i mean uh, this is not looking like the player that they threw out in the the, what do they even call it that first preseason game hall of fame Fame game game. yeah obviously uh they care about him a little bit more than they showed back then so there you go um yeah and just a just a fun fact for you his career high rushing attempts came in week eight of 2020 where he had 31 for 129 wow um and that's just an awesome thing about Sleeper. Not that we're True. sponsored, but... But sponsors, um, please. The game log, the player history. Oh, pfft, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just, a, just a cool little feature that you can look look through the history of players and, and pull stats from the past. It's, it's for sure. Cool. Um, let's talk about the pass catchers. Yeah, I'm only really going to highlight Darren Waller here because Devontae Adams was Devontae Adams, and you're always going to start him. And will continue to be yes. Devontae Adams. Uh, Hunter Renfro was an active, which means this the mm-hmm. stat line for Darren Waller is even more troubling, who played 80% of snaps, so he was out there. 5.4 fantasy points, three receptions on five targets for 24 yards. I, I've, I've had question marks about his usage, so I'll ask you if you're panicking on him, so I hear you have an opinion. Yeah, so I'll say this, and I, and I know it's not, it's not the most uh, sophisticated take, but can we just chalk it up to him being a tight end <laughs> and move on? Like... <laughs> I, but this guy has been to, super consistent in the past. I know. But, you know, Devontae Adams is there now. So, But I really think that, like, I, I genuinely believe that for most teams, the tight end is being phased out of the offense. Like, that's really what it feels yeah. like. And Got phased out of our uh, fantasy I, I know. That's all I know. Yeah, it definitely did, and we don't miss no. them. I mean, you guys that are listening and watching this, come come over to this to this side of the yep. game. It's, it's a lot more yep. fun. Um, to not have a guy in your lineup that gets five points every single week or a guy that gets seven points most of the time. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. But to me, I'm not panicking on, on Derek Waller. He is similar to a George Kittle or a Dalton Schultz or a TJ Hawkinson. I mean, they're, they have high ceilings and occasionally low floors. That's just kind of the that's the that's the reality of it. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I'm not panicking, but I, you know, in this matchup, I'm starting him. I'll just say that. 
Yep, I think that's fair. Um, I'll move on to the Chiefs, though. Mahomes, Kelsey connection is as strong as ever. They scored maybe on the first play uh, very quickly after they recovered that fumble on the opening kickoff. Yeah, it was it was quick after. No other pass catcher really boomed. I mean, Kelsey is the wide receiver one, even though he's a tight end in this offense. So just the, the pass catcher one. So we'll do what we always do, talk about CEH, because <laughs> this kind of goes against the grain of what we're saying, although it still fits the sell-high narrative. 22.4 fantasy points, but this time he had 19 carries for 92 yards and a rushing touchdown and a catch. He had 22 carries combined in the three games before this one, so 19 is definitely <laughs> uh, much better, but it's also the least he was involved in the passing game, and as uh, you already sh- showcased, uh, the Buccaneers' rush defense was just really bad um, in this game. So w- w- how are we feeling yeah. about CEH this week? <laughs> well... I would say this. I think that, if anything, this just kind of bolsters the idea that you should sell high on him because of that that statement you said, you know, 22 rushes through the first three weeks. Um, That's a a concerning statistic. Obviously, he's tied to a high-powered offense, much like Miles Sanders. And, you know, I ranked these guys very close to each other in the running back rankings video. Um, It's just not the kind of player that I'm interested in rostering. To me... It, it only takes a few weeks without any touchdowns, which will happen eventually, that will really, uh, he will stick out on your lineup as a liability when those games come. And they're going to come. I, that's just, that's the reality of it. So, um, CEH, I'm going to continue to advocate for selling high. It's just, to me, it's just not, it's just not a headache that I want to deal with once those touchdowns stop coming. If he has another game with this rushing usage and carry total next week, Maybe we'll change our script, but... Might change but our I, mind. I do agree, yeah. um, just comparatively to the first few weeks. So uh, that wraps it up. Okay, um, I'll go ahead and close us out here. Um, thank you all so much for watching or listening. Um, we are on YouTube. We are on all uh, podcast platforms. And so check us out wherever you are. Um, if you want the video format, we are on YouTube, obviously. And if you happen to stop by... Drop a like, subscribe to the channel. We're going to be doing this all season long, so we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Peace out.